The first time I, I actually watched that video, uh, it was, it was, I had an in- interesting reaction uh, to it. And, and at first, you know, obviously the thing that hit me was, man, what a great story of life transformation, uh, seeing a person who's, whose life is completely overhauled. And on that level, that continued. But the thing that was interesting for me is I started to think about it. I'm like, you know, it's just, it feels a little far removed from us, you know? Uh, I, I'm not Hindu. I don't have worships, uh, worship idols set up in my house that I, I, I worship every day. And this is a little bit difficult for me to relate to. And then almost in just a split second, I thought, you know what? Actually, it's not that difficult for me to relate to. You know, someone, someone has said that America is the most uh, pantheistic or, mono, or uh, pluralistic God country in, in the world. And, and the difference is, hey, Chad... <laughs> Good to see you. Uh, anyway, uh, back to my message. Uh, that that um, the difference is that the gods that we have and the idols that we have are just a little more subtle. See, we don't set them up in our house to worship them. They slowly become idols. And actually, idol, you know, we don't even think of idol as being that bad here in America. You know, how many of you guys are American idol fans, right? It's the goal of people to become idols. And we idolize those people. You know, but it says... We're told in Romans chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, it says this. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Talking exactly about that, and we do that every day. I have to tell you about, I don't know, it was 10 or 12 years ago, I was still in uh, the Detroit area going to Kensington Church, uh, Kensington Community Church, and... uh, uh, I picked up my son, Elijah. He was probably, I don't know, three or four or five, somewhere in that, that range. And I picked him up uh, after, uh, son, after, his, after church was done, and I took him into the bathroom before we drove home. And uh, we head into the bathroom, and I'm standing there, getting him all ready to go to the bathroom, and in walks Luther Ellis, okay? Now, what you need to know for the story to be, make sense to you is that uh, I am and always have been a huge Detroit Lions fan. So it's great that they were winning last year because what that meant is they actually got on TV every once in a while. And, uh, but I was a huge diehard Detroit Lions fan. And that year, Luther Ellis was Pro Bowl. Like he was the bomb in Detroit. He was the thing. And he went to Kensington. And I, I knew about it, but I'd never talked to him or anything. I'd seen him and I'd probably fantasize one day. He'll, I'll bump into him and I'll say something so cool. We'll be best buddies, right? And uh, so now here's my chance. And here's what happens. He walks into the bathroom with, I don't know how many of his kids, but a few. And, uh, you know, I kind of look at him and I'm like, and immediately I'm struck with anxiety. Like, oh man, here's my shit. What do I say? So literally in my head, I'm scrolling, okay, uh, say, say, uh, say, hey, no, don't say, hey, that's dumb. Uh, t- say, n- n- no, they lost the game. Don't say anything about the game. Uh, and I'm going through all of the things and literally getting more anxious. And I'm, I'm like getting, I'm, I'm thinking, to, it's probably like 20 seconds. And I'm thinking, Elijah, what's taking you so long? Can you fit, you know, all this going inside of my head. Finally, he finishes. I whisk him over to the bath, uh, to, the, to the sink. We wash his hand. We rip out of there. Never said a word to him. I, w- my wife's waiting there, and I'm like, Luther Ellis was in there. She said, oh, did you say hi? I said, no, I couldn't talk. <laughs> she shook her head like, what? okay. But, but my question for you is this. Have you ever had an experience like that where you've come face to face with someone that is so, w- when you consider comparatively you and them, you just feel insignificant? Or maybe, maybe even you can identify someone that if you did run into, you would have that experience. Anyone relate to that? Let me ask you another question. Have you ever had that kind of thought 
as it relates to God. See, we are starstruck by people, but often we don't really consider God. And we're going to be looking at praise today, or the focus of our praise. And, and quite frankly, praise is a pretty straightforward kind of thing. It just means, you know, to, to give glory to or to acclaim, uh, to glory in, make music to. Uh, but one of the things that I found interesting was that it, 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 one, of the, one of the definitions was, was to shine a spotlight on. Think of that. On stage, what am I supposed to look at? Well, you're supposed to look at this. And that's what we're going to be looking at. And what's interesting is as you read through the Word of God, we find actually quite a few encounters of people who, who've come face to face with the God of the universe and their experience was like mine, but not even like mine because it was so much more extreme. And I want to look at those today. And when you think about praise, I just want to frame this up for you. We're going to be looking at three things this morning. Three reasons why we praise. Pretty simple. We praise God because of who he is. We praise God because of what he's done. And we praise God because we're human. I want to look at the first and just talk about who he is. And we, just the last three weeks, if you've been here or have not been there, I'd encourage you to grab the DVDs or go online and uh, stream those videos and you can watch them. But let's look at the first one. We praise God because of who he is. Well, he is, one of the things he is, is infinitely awesome, right? We talked about this in the first week of our series about the names of God. He's infinitely awesome, which is Yahweh, right? If you were here, you remember that. What I want to do is I'm going to look at, I'm going to frame this up through the uh, chapter 145, the 145th chapter of Psalms. I want to read through this, uh, and and I want to look at David's account of God and the infinite awesomeness of God. So if you look at this with me for just a second, starting with verse 3, God as Yahweh, infinitely awesome. God, great is the Lord, the most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. Verse 11, they tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. Now see, a couple things immediately different. His dominion is forever. See, Luther Ellis was a great football player. He doesn't play football anymore. Right? Still a great guy. By the way, I've never shared that story with him, so if you could keep that quiet, I don't think he's here right now, that'd be great, because he would lose whatever respect he may have had for me. But uh, see, the difference is, is between humans and God is God always is. And I want to I go a little bit deeper on this. Rather than, see, David tells us what his opinion is. I want to share with you, and I, I want to share with you one story in particular. And t- I'm going to tell you there are more, but the one story I want to share with you is a story of someone who actually gets to see God. And this is found in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you want to pull those out and read along with me. And here it is. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. 
And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Do you understand what's happening here? He looks into the throne room of heaven, and he sees God. The first thing he sees is this. He sees the robe that God is wearing with this beautiful train. I've got to tell you, when I, I'm not just saying this. When my, when, I, when my wife and I were married, I've never seen a more beautiful dress ever. And she had this beautiful, long train. Beautiful, beautiful. See this one? This train on the robe that God was wearing was so beautiful that it filled the whole room. Okay. <laughs> Pretty amazing. So the first thing that happens is he looks and he sees the beauty of God. And then he sees these seraphim, which are like these angelic beings. When you look at the word, this, uh, uh, the, the Hebrew, these are actually beings that are like on fire burning. They're flying around him. And what do they do with their wings? Well, they fly, and two of them cover their face. And I'm not sure if, the, if they're covering their face because they can't, they can't ingest the glory of God or if they're trying to hide their, their face from the inglory of the man. I'm not sure. But either way, they're covering their face. And what are they doing? They're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. They're, they're, they get it. They get it. God is amazing. And what, what's the response? The response, uh, oh, check this out too. And, th- and then they start singing. They're, singing. they're singing so loud. They're so into giving praise to God that what happens? The doorposts and the thresholds shake. I mean, this is like worship, right? Like Baptist church? No, probably not. <laughs> the whole place is shaking. And what happens? Isaiah, he says, I'm ruined. Because what happens in the moment when he sees God, he realizes the infinite awesomeness of God and the infinite inawesomeness of himself. And there's great disparity between the two. There are two more stories. and Write these down and and read these because I'm not going to read them right now. But Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 through 17, you can read that story. It's another encounter of John. Uh, running into uh, actually having a vision of God. And then Revelation 4, uh, 6 through 11 is this, the next one I want to t- tell you about. But I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis. What happens is the very exact thing in these scenarios. They see God. John sees God. He's overwhelmed by the beauty and the glory and the majesty and the awesomeness of who God is. And the seraphim are flying around praising him because they understand and the people that see God fall on their face, crushed, and it says in, in uh, chapter 4 of Revelation, they fall on their feet, faces as though they're dead. See, they get it. They know that God is infinitely awesome. See, and when you see the awesomeness of God, three things happen. First of all, you're awestruck by his glory. Secondly, you see the disparity between who he is and who you are. And third, you're brought to your knees in worship. And I think that the problem is that we probably don't have a good concept of who God is when we come to worship. Our God is much smaller than this. And there are more stories in the Bible you could read, but I just, those are some that I want, want to share with you. But not only is he uh, awesome, he's also intimately approachable. We talked about this just last week when we talked about God as Abba. 
If you were here last week, you heard, uh, you heard us talk about that. One of the names of God is Abba. And let's look at uh, Psalm 145, picking up verse 8. And it says this, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears the cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. See, not only is he awesome, he's approachable. He hears us. He's compassionate. God is Abba. He's our father. You know, how many of you, I don't want to re-preach the message, but, but isn't that exactly what we want? We want a dad who's amazingly awesome and loving. Well, that's what God is only times a billion. So we worship him for who he is. He's Abba and he's awesome. He's Yahweh. But we also worship him for what he's done. He's our redeemer. And that's, we also talked about this in our names of God. Redeemer, we'll pick up with uh, verse 4 in uh, Psalm 145. It says this, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of your power, of your, they tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. All your works praise you. Lord, your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. See, one of the things you see, they, it commends the works and they tell of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your majesty. See, what, what Israel was in the habit of doing was they would recount on a regular basis, they would go back and they would retell the stories of all the things that God had done to resave them, whether it was crossing the Red Sea and freeing them, first freeing them from the Egyptian slavery and then letting them cross the Red Sea into freedom or leading them into the promised land. And they would regularly practice the habit of going, hey, yeah, you know what? God is pretty awesome. He has redeemed us. And they would repeat that. Let me ask you this. How often do you sit and recount the many ways God has redeemed you? Do you do that very often? We were just sitting in our room yesterday. My wife was just writing down all of the things that God has done since we moved here to Utah eight years ago. Pretty impressive list. And when you, when you recount the stories, what happens is you, you start to understand, wow, God is awesome. Maybe it's the first time you found Jesus. Maybe, maybe it's the time he opened doors that you thought were closed. Or maybe it's how he guided you. Or maybe the scrapes that he's brought you through. But it's imperative that we think back on the things that God has done for us and understand who he is. Not only, though, do we worship him because of who he is and what he's done, we worship him because we're human. And I want to talk about this for a little bit. See, because being human implies a few things, right? Well, first of all, it implies we're not God. Unless, any of you God in here? Because if you are, you don't need this message. Okay, good, then you need it. So here's the thing. Because we're human, four things, I want you to write these things down. You are prone to sin, you are prone to sin as a human. Jeremiah seventeen nine t- tells us we're desperately, our heart is wicked. And what is, sin, what, is, what is sin? Well, sin in a nutshell is self, right? Right, isn't that? Sin is when I want to do what I want to do regardless of what 
anything else, I'm going to feed myself. That was Satan. I'm going to be like the Most High. Ultimate sin started there. Adam and Eve, don't eat this. No, I'm going to do it. I want to. Sin is self. And interesting, uh, in Psalm 145, verse 1, what does David say? He says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Why does he say this? Why do you think he says this? You know why he says this, I believe? What does he say? I will exalt you, the king. Not me, the king. I will praise your name. You see, we need to understand that the world does not revolve around us. And as long as I'm thinking about myself, it's revolving around me. That's what leads to sin. And David is saying, no, no, no. When you lift your eyes to praise God, take your eyes off of who you are, understand the disparity between who God is and who I am, and praise him for that, I turn away from sin because I understand the difference. We're prone to sin. The second thing I want you to write down is this. We're prone to wander. Look at verse 2 of 145. He says, Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Why does he say that? Well, see, what happens in life, and this is why we end up getting other gods and idols and things we end up worshiping, is because we, our affections are drawn in multiple ways all over the place. Right? You see this thing and your heart is drawn to it. The next thing you know, you're chasing this thing down. And then this thing draws my attention and I'm after this now. Right? We're prone to wander. We don't stay on track. But what does David said? He says, every day, he was in a practice, every day, I will praise you forever and ever. See, he set practices in his life that would keep him on the path he wanted to be on. Rather than allowing himself to whimsically chase after different things, he said, no, this is what I'm going after, and I'm going to set these things in place. The third thing I want you to understand is that you are prone to worry. Any, anyone worry? Any in here a worrier? Anyone? Ever worry? <laughs> okay, any liars? <laughs> okay, we all worry. We worry. And wh- you know what? We worry because, why? Well, a lot of reasons. But let's look at what David says in, in uh, Psalm 145 again. He says, the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. That's verse 14. Verse 17, he says, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him and he hears the cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him but all the wicked he will destroy. He's trustworthy. He promises his stuff. He upholds us. He lifts us up. He's righteous. He's faithful. He's near. See, we worry because at a core level, we've shrunk God down to a manageable size, right? Someone once said, God created us in in his image and we returned the favor, right? And when you have a God that's no better than you are, you should worry because you're not that great. And we worry because we don't put trust in this God who when we see him and the seraphim sing and praise him and the doorposts shake and we fall at our feet going, I'm ruined. Because that's not the picture of who we have of God. He's just like the guy next door. 
See, while understanding a better picture of God, turning our eyes to worship and praise him gives us the perspective of understanding he's not a small God. He's a God who can do all these things that I ask. The last thing I want to look at, the fourth thing, we're prone to sin, we're prone to wander, we're prone to worry, but we're also prone to praise. Look at uh, verses 1 through 7 of uh, Psalm 145. He says this, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate the abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. See, as humans, we're prone to praise. Again, we do it all the time, right? Anyone know anything about uh, Jeremy Lin right now? Huh? Know who he is? Yeah, guy's blowing up in the NBA right now. All over the newspaper. We're praising this guy, and he deserves it. He's doing great. But that's what we do as humans. We praise things. It's just a result of being human. You know, I was talking to Dave on Wednesday about this message. And uh, he asked me an interesting question. He said, he said, you know, the interesting thing to me, Mike, is, so, but, but why do we sing praises? I thought, well, that is kind of a good question. So I started thinking about this, and I thought, well, actually, why do we sing? And so I did a little research on this, started studying this, and it's really interesting. There's all kinds of schools of thought. This, I read this article about this evolutionary uh, uh, biologist who believes that actually singing uh, existed before language, and, and then you have people who, who uh, I mean, there's just all kinds of thought about why, why, uh, why we sing. But the thing that was consistent in everything I read was this, that we sing because singing is part of the fabric of human DNA. It's just what we do as humans. Sometimes you sing because you're happy. My daughter, Natalie, like I swear, it's a great thing, I promise. But she wakes up in the morning, and from the time she wakes up till the time she goes to sleep, she is singing. I'm not like, hey, Natalie, we clean up the dishes. Oh, clean up the dishes. She makes a whole song. You know, you're kind of like, great song. Ooh, sing in your head a little bit. But she <laughs> sings. She just does. And we do. We, but sometimes we sing because we're happy. You know, and what, is, what does song do? Well, so what song does is songs, singing, connects our emotions and our affections to the object of our worship. Right? It connects our emotions and affections to the object of our worship. Do you have, have a song? But You know, my wife and I have a song, you know, that we sing together. <laughs> We don't really sing it that much, but when we hear it on the radio, we crank it, right? Because it connects our, our affections and our emotions to what we're worshiping. And you, I'm sure all of you have songs that take you to specific places and times because there's an emotional attachment to something you're worshiping and something you want to give praise to. Sometimes you sing to make yourself happy. We, we connect. You know what, what's interesting too? Think about all these songs. You sing songs that, uh, that you connect with with someone that you've never met and they have a shared experience and what singing helps you understand is you are not alone in this universe. We are interconnected. 
There are songs about everything. Sometimes it's for fun. Sometimes it's for beauty's sake. And music, here's the kicker, that music and singing is the overflow of our emotion. And what comes out is the overflow of what's inside. It's the fabric of human DNA. Not only that, biblically, we're told to sing over and over again. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Admonish one another, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to one another with gratitude in your hearts and sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. We're told over and over, and I could go on and on, we're told to sing. Not only is it natural, we're told to sing. The, the, the thing is this, that, that, that when we are told to praise God, when we're told to praise, yes, praise and singing is part of, we just do this because we're human. The tweak is this. See, what God says is, do it to bring me glory. See, the, and, and if I had more time, I could, I could share all kinds of passages with you that talk about this, but I'm not going to. And you want to write these down? Write Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. Ephesians, uh, I'll, go, I'll go all the way through verse 14, or Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And what he says, consistently in these passages, to the praise of his glory. See, you praise naturally for what? His glory. So you were created, and he's talking actually about our creation, and he's talking about our salvation in these passages. You were created to bring God glory. You were saved to bring God glory. Our purpose on earth is to bring God glory. And praise is one way that we can do that. So you, you, you understand that God has given us a gift of singing and praise. And you know, here's the thing. I want to just backtrack a little bit because I want to share this with you. And, and uh, I'll, be, I'll be really honest with you here, okay? Just with us in this room. That was supposed to be a joke, but uh, anyway. <laughs> be honest with me here. Raise your hand if you would say, you know, sometimes I come to K2, I just don't like that song we're worshiping with. Anyone? Because my hand's up right now, just so you know. How many of you, sometimes you come here and you're like, I don't really connect with that worship leader. Yeah. See, I do too. And I'm kind of embarrassed. Because here's the thing. When you understand what praise, biblical praise is, it has nothing to do with the song that's being sung or the person that's leading us or whether they're on key, or off key, or remembering or forgetting the words, which happens. True praise is about me understanding the opportunity I have to focus my thoughts on the God of the universe. To bring him glory. And when we downsize God, to a manageable size. It's no wonder we worry about the stupid song. And I do it. And so do you. All right, I want to just share with you as kind of start to wind down here. Those four things again, you're prone to sin, you're prone to wander, you're prone to worry, but you're prone to praise. And let's take that praise and make it for God's glory. I, I just want to I want to shift into kind of giving you guys some actually practical tools that you could use 
practical tools to help develop praise habits in your life. You know, this is one of the most interesting things to me. Uh, another verse is Psalm 22 in the King James Version. Psalm 22, 3, the translation reads like this. It says, it says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. You saw, if you're here at the beginning, you saw the girl say this. God inhabits the praises of his people. You know, and on one hand, you could be like, I don't, I, don't, I don't really get it. I don't get this God who's so self-absorbed that he needs us to always be worried about him, right? Well, first of all, let's just be clear on something. He's God, okay? He's the only person that does deserve it. But secondly, I think that that's not accurate. Even what we're thinking is wrong because it says he inhabits the praises of his people. And you look at the Hebrew word for, for inhabit in, in, in this context, and it means, uh, the word is yashab, yashab is, is the Hebrew word, and, and it means to, to, to dwell in or to remain in or, or uh, to settle in. And one of the most interesting words that's used here with yashab is this word marry. He, he, he becomes married to us in the moment of praise. You ever, you've talked to someone, my wife is saying this, you ever, she says, you hear people say, well, I'm not really married to it. Right? See, I think sometimes that's actually how we enter worship. I'm not really married to it. I don't like the song. I don't like the no, see, what God is saying, what we need to understand is that what God is looking for is to enter, what is marriage? It's the most intimate experience between two humans you can have. And what God is saying is that he wants to enter into this intimate relationship between him and us. And when we lift him up in praise, understanding who he is and who we are and put him in the proper place and put ourselves in the proper place, we enter into an intimate marital moment. Do you guys get that? It doesn't have to do with what song we're singing. It has to do with what our hearts are proclaiming about who he is. See, and so don't worry about the fact that God needs all this glory. No, God needs us to connect with him intimately. Oh, it's amazing to me. He gives us the gift. Naturally, humanly, we, get, we, we praise. And he gives us song. And then he says, do it for my glory. And when you do it, we're going to connect and deepen our relationship. That's amazing to me. So understand that God is desiring to meet with you in the moments of praise in a very intimate way. So, some real practical things I want to give to you as we close out the day today. It's this. First of all, I want you to, anything you do for 21 days, they say, develops a, pra- uh, a habit. Do you know that? 21 days develops a habit. I think breaking a habit might be longer. But anyway, to develop a habit, 21 days. Um, and so, I want to, what, what I want you to do is this. Over the next 21 days, I want you to all develop a habit. I'm, just leave, let's put God over here for just a second. Just develop a habit of praise. Think, well, I, we, we went, my wife and I went to uh, Jude and Gideon, our youngest. They, they have the same teacher. And we went, to, uh, we went to the conference. She's an amazing teacher. And uh, she, so we're, we're sitting with her, and we talked a little bit about the schoolwork, but she brings out this chart, and it's all a chart of uh, characteristics, personality traits and stuff. And so there's things, you know, like, um, well, the ones she had highlighted a few for each of our boys. 
And uh, what it was, was like um, enthusiastic highlighted and uh, sensitive highlighted. And, and she said, I just need you. I want you to start working on this with your boys. Understand that, that he's really enthusiastic. And but what happens with enthusiasm is sometimes it gets misguided. And enthusiasm can become this. But I want you to use this language of enthusiasm and re- guide him back to what he is. Or sensitive. Can lead him well, He's kind of prone to tears. Okay, that's sensitive. Anyway, I want you guys to think of people in your life that you can just praise for 21 days. Is it your wife? Is it your husband? Your parents? Your kids? Your coworkers? Your boss? Your employees? 21 days. Develop a habit of just praising people. That's the first thing. The second thing I want to challenge you to do is enter into a habit of praising. I, I, I grew up with this, of praising God. Sorry, two sentences ahead of myself. Develop a habit of praising God. And he, he, I grew up with this prayer model that's pretty simple. It's, it's ACTS, A-C-T-S, right? And it's really interesting because when I use it, I've used this a few times in, in corporate prayer, where, corporate just where we praise a group. And I've, I've said to people, hey, hey, I want to use this model, ACTS. ACTS is this, adoration, confession, Thanksgiving and supplication. Supplication is just asking God for stuff. You notice, notice the order? Praise, confess, thank, ask. Well, my prayers most of the time are like this. Dear God, please give me this. Have a good day. <laughs> Anyone relate to that? Because it's kind of a jacked up way to pray, to be honest with you. See, this adoration thing what it does is it puts God at the center of our prayer, first focusing our minds on who he is. Okay? And when I've done this corporately so often, I say, let's, let's, just, let's just adore God. We're going to praise God first. And you know what happens almost every time? The adoration goes like this. Oh, dear God, well, thank you for... Um, I'm like, inside, I'm like, no, 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 that's later. See, because you know why you know it's important? Because what's thank you about? Who's thank you about? It's about God a little bit, but it's really about what he's done for me. (laughs) See, adoration is just extolling. Again, going back to recounting the things that God has done in your life and who he is before you. He's holy. He's awesome, magnificent. Just extol who God is first. For 21 days, when you pray, I want you to spend the first part of your prayer just praising who God is. Not what he's done for you, not for who God is. Ask him for stuff at the end. The other thing, I want to, just some, some other practical things. We have these books in very limited quantity, and we're going to be getting more of them in. One is called Praise Habit by David Crowder. He's a, one of the uh, worship leaders we, uh, in the country. We do a lot of his music. It's called Praise Habit. Really, really cool book. Uh, I, I'm not going to go into all the details up on the screen there. And uh, 31 Days of Praise. This is a book by uh, Ruth Myers. She lost her husband, and through praising, 30, each day, a different thing to praise God for. She was able to kind of come out of the despair of losing her husband. Two amazing books that are available in the back. You can sign up. If you, if you, uh, you can sign up for them today, order them. If we run out, and I think it'd be a rush, be the first of the thing to get to the info booth to get these because we're going to run out. And there'll be more coming in, but you can buy them today and we'll have them for you. All right? Also, um, 
I, I'll just say this and just a little self-promotion here, but I, I don't really care about the money part so much. I have CDs that are available that are worship CDs. And guys, if you want a CD, take it. If you want to pay for it, pay for it. But I want us, and Caleb, someone just told me this. Uh, I don't remember, maybe it's Chris Harding who's in the band. He was telling me this. He says, hey, uh, I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> Caleb has got this challenge for 30 days. Just listen to praise music. Just listen to Caleb every day. So I'm going to throw some challenges out there. Get your mind and get your, 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 your uh, habits of praising and praising God specifically. Okay? As we close out here, I just, I'm going to invite the band to come forward. I just want to share. There's an excerpt from, from uh, um, Lord of the Rings. It's an excerpt that it's not in the movie. The scene is not in the movie, but it's from the book. I want to read this to you because here's what happens uh, in, in, in this little section of the book. Now, Sam, who's Frodo's buddy, right? He has reached the end. He's ready to cash in. He can't take it anymore. He's had enough. And in that moment, he looks up and he sees this beautiful star in the sky, this amazing star. I'm just going to read this excerpt to you from the book. It says this. The beauty of the star smote his heart and like a shaft clear and cold. The thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond his reach. Many times he had been defiant rather than hopeful. He was always thinking of himself now for a moment. His own fate and even his master's ceased to trouble him, and he fell into a deep, untroubled sleep. Hmm. You see what happened there? He looks up and he sees the beauty of God, of, of God's own creation. And he realizes he's a speck compared to the grand scheme of life. And he could let go of his own importance and understand that this creator had a major plan, much more important than his own. And whatever happened to him didn't matter. He'd just seen the face of God. Wow. Can you imagine what would happen in our lives and our relationships if we were able to transcend our momentary immediate circumstances and, and, and if we're able to put God at the center pull ourselves out of that place worship him shine the spotlight back up where it belongs wow I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we would all be changed people And have to, you know, and for some of you, maybe you haven't even taken that first step of asking Christ into your life. And you need to know that until you take that step, you can't really praise God. You can't bring Him glory. Today's your day. Others of us just need to maybe confess that we've made God small or we're seeing small things because we have a small God. One of the things we're going to do here is we're going to enter into a time of corporate worship, we call it. <laughs> That's another habit you can have. If you come every three weeks, come every week. Don't miss an opportunity to lift our voices up to God. The band is going to lead us, and before we do that, I'm going to ask our greeters to come forward. We're going to take an offering. 
And just, you know, this is another opportunity for you to praise God with your finances. And we have ways for you to give. If you, if you came prepared to give today, you can put it in the bag. If you uh, are not prepared, you can also give on your smartphone or go to k2thechurch.com and you can give that way as well. But before we do this, I just want to pray. I'd love, if any of you want to talk more, I'd love to talk with you. But do not miss this opportunity right now to focus our hearts and our minds on the God of the universe that allows us to speak with him. Will you pray with me? God, you are an awesome, amazing God. You love us more than we can ever, ever fathom. Receive our praise. Marry with us in this moment. May this be an intimate time together. Let us see your face and understand who you are and who we are in relationship to that. Jesus, you're amazing. We thank you. We ask this in your name.